Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered? or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I'm going to give you a bit of a paradox this morning. Hopefully I'm not presenting this message for anyone who is present in these services today. And yet at the same time I'm sharing this message with everyone who is present in these services today. You say that's confusing preacher so what's new? I hope no one needs this message because you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Okay. I would like to be speaking to all saved people. I don't know hearts. God knows hearts and you know your heart. But I think those of us who are saved, no, I just know that those of us who are saved need to be reminded of some things in a message like this because we are children of God. We need to be reminded what awaited us before we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We need to be reminded of hell and what the Word of God says about it to help us to be thankful to God for what He has done for us as His children. Not only in saving us. You know, that's a wonderful thing that God saved us. But here's something else He did. He preserved our lives until we came to that point where we realized that we were lost sinners and needed to be saved. Amen. He could have allowed us to pass from this life before that and we would have spent an eternity in hell. And we need this message to remind us that we have family, friends, co-workers, fellow students, classmates, neighbors, just people we run into on a daily basis who may not know the Lord as Savior. And if they die in that condition, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. Now, as I said a moment ago, Hell's not a subject you hear preached on much today. You don't hear many preachers on television or radio or 
even on the internet, talking about hell, preaching about hell. It's considered rude. It's considered crude. It's considered sometimes unchristian and ill-mannered to suggest that there are some people in this world who are going to die without Christ and go immediately to hell when they die. One preacher, well-known preacher, and I'll call his name Robert Schuler, you know that guy, the Crystal Cathedral guy out in California, said this years ago, I don't think anything has been done in the name of Christ and under the banner of Christianity that has proven more destructive to human personality and hence counterproductive to the evangelism enterprise than the often crude, uncouth, and unchristian strategy of attempting to make people aware of their lost and sinful condition. Mr. Schuler would be in favor of not telling anybody about hell. He would not be in favor of telling people that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that all need to be saved because he thinks that's rude and he thinks that's crude. And here's another reason I think you don't hear a lot of preaching on hell today. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But is it possible that God's people have quit witnessing and God's people have quit inviting lost people to church so that they can hear the Word of God and what the Word of God says about one's spiritual condition and about one's eternity in hell if they die lost. And so therefore, preachers have just decided, well, I guess we don't have any lost folks here. I'll just preach to the ones that are here. Now, I've told you, you got some lost folks in here. I'll leave you alone. And I'll preach to them, and maybe that's what we're doing this morning. I hope some folks are watching on the live stream who are not saved and who will hear this message and will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. A message on hell is relevant, folks, because hell is a real place. It's not just something that some preacher made up to try to scare people, to try to get people to be good and made up the devil and try to get people to do what they say. Otherwise, the devil will get you and take you to hell. That's not what hell is about. Hell is a real place and real people will die without Christ and will spend an eternity in hell. And this is something Sister Karen and I were talking about just a few moments ago. You and I who are saved must get a vision of hell. Oh, I don't mean, so, oh yeah, I believe in hell. Well, I believe lost people go to hell. No, I mean a vision of hell. What hell is like. I think, and this is what we agreed on a few moments ago. I think if you and I who are saved really believed that there's a real hell and that it is real torment, and that real people are going there. And there are no words in our vocabulary to aptly describe the torment of hell. If we really believed that, there wouldn't be a person that we passed without at least telling them about Jesus. I feel as though I was offered a challenge this week. I was looking at Facebook and one of my Facebook friends, he's visited here before. Unfortunately, he doesn't live close enough to attend here. But Brother Rick Brinks, and I'm going to mention his name. I don't know if he'll watch the video or not, the live stream. But he posted this this week on Facebook. And some of you know who Ray Comfort is. He's the guy from Australia. He does a lot of witnessing and, and so forth. And Ray Comfort said this, The friendly preacher who fails to warn of the reality of hell betrays the Son of God with a kiss. The preacher who wants to be liked the preacher who wants to be popular, but he's not going to preach on hell because that's rude, crude, ill-mannered, and unpopular. He's just turning his back on God. And too many modern-day preachers 
do not preach on sin and they do not preach on hell. They're taking a psychological approach to their preaching. And you know, we've all got to be mentally healthy. Let me tell you something. And this is another message and I don't have time to get fully into it. But you know, God, when God created man, God created a man that was physically healthy and that was mentally healthy and that was spiritually holy. Amen. And when Adam sinned, his flesh began to die. His spirit was separated from God. And I fully believe that sin plays a part in the mental aspect of people's lives also. We are no longer completely mentally healthy. I don't mind admitting it, folks. I'm just a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just a little off. But I don't mind admitting that because I think it's true. Too many preachers by their actions betray the command of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now what did Jesus say? If you trust me, you're saved. If you don't trust me, it's not that you will be lost, you already are. People we encounter on a daily basis who have never put their faith in Christ to be saved are on the road to hell. Every day we pass these folks. And here's what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and do what? And preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter 1, 8. I know he said uh, the disciples had asked about his restoring his kingdom. And he said, that's not for you to worry about right now. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come, up, has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The simple fact is that many of God's people and God's preachers aren't doing this today, folks. We're not telling people. We're not warning people. And by the way, you know what God told Ezekiel about the watchman on the wall? He said, if the watchman sees the enemy coming and he warns the people and the people don't listen to him and they die, they died in their sins. They refused to listen to the warning. But if the watchman on the wall warns the pe doesn't warn the people, he sees the enemy come. He doesn't warn the people and the enemy comes and destroys those people. He said, I'm going to require their blood at the watchman's hands. I know of at least two people, at least two people that I was in a conversation with. And I mean, we talked about death and we talked about life and we talked about the unexpected nature of death. And I let them walk away without telling them about Christ. Folks, they die lost. Guess who's responsible? Right here. We have a responsibility to warn people about this place called hell and to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about hell for a little bit. And we're going to consider, first of all, the reality of hell. I said it's a real place. Real people really go there. It is a definite place and it is substantiated, first of all, by common sense. A lot of people want to believe in heaven. But some of those same people that want to believe in heaven don't want to believe in hell. Listen, we understand that 
If there's something good, there is an equal and opposite bad. If there's a heaven, there's a hell. If there's a God, there's a devil. If there are angels, there are demons. If there's a place for people who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, there must obviously be a place for people who have rejected Jesus as their Savior. Amen. Hell is substantiated by Scripture. We just read here in Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. If you turn to the 16th chapter of the book of Luke and begin reading in verse 19, we like to talk about the rich man and Lazarus. We know the story. If you've been in church any length of time, you know the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And we like to think about Lazarus being carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And if you're saved, I, I fully believe angels will escort you into the presence of the Lord. But there's another character in that story. He was a man without Christ. He was a lost man. And the moment he died, he opened his eyes in hell. Jesus tells us, just, well, that's just a story. No, Jesus does not use the term parable. He said there was a certain beggar and a certain rich man. Jesus knew who this was. Well, how could he know? Because Jesus is God. And Jesus knows everything that has happened and everything that will happen. And Jesus knew very specifically that there was a man who had died and gone to hell. And he tells us about him in Luke chapter 16. And we're going to come back to that in a few moments. But Jesus again says in Matthew 25, those who are going to hell are those who have rejected him. Listen, I don't know where hell is. Somebody said, where is hell? I don't know. But I know that it is a real place. I know it is a definite place. And I know that it is a place that is apart from God and his blessings. Amen. And I know this, I don't want to go there. And I know this and I'm not going there. Okay? <laughs> not just that I don't want to go, I'm not going there. Hell is a definite place, but it is a described place. Listen to what the scriptures say about it. We're not going to read all these verses. I'm going to mention them, jot them down. You can read them for yourselves. But Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 describes it as a lake of fire and brimstone. So a preacher, I've heard that all my life. Preachers just use that to scare people up. Well, maybe they do, but it's a real place. You know, there's some real things that I'm really scared of. Fire is not my friend. But it's a lake of fire and brimstone. It's real. Verse 14 calls it a lake of fire. Verse 41 here in Matthew 25 calls it everlasting fire. Revelation 14, 11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. That means it's eternal. It goes on and on and on and never ends. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, and I will turn there to read that verse to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 talking about those that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And literally the idea is apart and away from the presence of the Lord. They're not going to be where Jesus is. And from the glory of his power. Now let's go back to Luke 16 just a moment. And verse 24 because you know what that verse tells us? It tells us that hell is a place of torment. It's a place of torment. This rich man is in hell. 
And the verse says, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. It is a place of punishment. It is a place of torment. And this rich man was so tormented, he thought if I could just get Lazarus to dip his finger in water and touch my tongue, it would give me a second's relief from this torment that is taking place here in hell. And then the Gospels, especially in Mark chapter 9, verses 44 through 48, tell it or describe it as a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. If you don't want to know what that's talking about, the worm here talks about maggots. See, there's a picture in the Word of God, and there's a picture in the history of the nation of Israel of this place, and the word Gehenna, the name Gehenna is used to refer to it. Gehenna was a dumping ground outside the city of Jerusalem. And there in Gehenna, they would dump the bodies of criminals who had been executed. And they would dump the bodies of dead animals. And they would just dump all kinds of filth there. And maggots were constantly infesting the rotting bodies of everything that had been dumped there. And there was a continual fire just like in many of the old-fashioned garbage dumps where they have a continual fire going just burning that garbage constantly, constantly, constantly. And this is the picture of hell. This is the picture where the worm dieth not. It talks about the eternal nature of the suffering of the people who are in hell. And it's a place of absolute darkness also. Do you realize there's no love in hell? Amen. One preacher gave this illustration, and I think he may be right. This rich man had five brothers. Maybe he had some sons. He didn't believe in Jesus and didn't trust Jesus, and so he dies and goes to hell, and he didn't lead his sons to trust Jesus either, and they died and went to hell. And he said, I can just imagine them throughout eternity. I hate you, Daddy. I don't love you, Daddy. You didn't tell me about Jesus so I could escape this place. You didn't lead me. You didn't set an example so I could escape this place. And now I'm here in hell for all eternity. Hell is a horrible place because of the suffering that is there and that will be experienced. Again, the rich man said, I'm tormented in this flame. Can you imagine? I'm trying to get those of us who are saved to imagine this, to envision this. Just imagine hell for a moment. Not just the hatred that is shouted out, but the screams of torment, the cursing, the bitterness that take place in hell. Now, I don't have any scripture to back this up. This is just heresology, okay? I don't have any scripture to back it up, but I believe it is possible that if someone had an addiction on this earth, they'll be given a body in hell that will have the same addiction. And the only problem is they'll not be able to satisfy that addiction. One's addicted to alcohol. One's addicted to other drugs. And in hell, they have that addiction, but they cannot satisfy that addiction. Imagine being addicted to something and not being able to fulfill it. I believe God will provide a body. You know, God's going to give us who are saved one of these days a glorified body. It's a body that's fit to last forever into eternity in the heavens. And I believe by the same token, God will give those who have rejected Christ a body that will be able to withstand the fires of hell for all eternity with all of the sensations that they had here on this earth. Amen. Hell's going to be a place of remembering. 
Luke chapter 16 shows us that there's consciousness in hell. You know, I believe people in hell today, right now, as this message is being preached, I believe people in hell are able to remember the times that they heard the gospel shared with them and that they rejected it. I had an opportunity to be saved. I had an opportunity to be a child of God. Someone witnessed to me. You know, I believe this is possible. And I believe I'm speaking to saved people today, but I believe this is possible. You know, I believe lost people get into the Lord's churches. I believe there may be someone in hell right now who's saying, I was a church member and I was too filled with pride as a church member to tell people that I was lost and needed to accept Christ as Savior. And look at where I am now. I believe they will remember when they heard the gospel and rejected it. I believe that there are folks in hell who remember the people who witnessed to them. I sat in that service. I listened to that preacher preach on hell. I listened to that preacher say that the only way to escape hell was to repent toward God and put my faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. And I would not hear it with my heart and I rejected that message. I remember that deacon, that Sunday school teacher, that church member who tried to tell me about the Lord Jesus and I would not listen and I died without him. But you know what? I think they may also remember those folks who didn't witness to them. I talked to that preacher one day and we talked about life and we talked about death and we talked about how unpredictable death is. But you know, he never said a word to me about hell. And he never said a word to me that I needed to accept Jesus. And if he'd have said something, I would have accepted the Lord. But now I, I'm lost. I'm here in hell and he didn't witness to me or she didn't witness to me or that deacon didn't, whoever it was, didn't witness to me and now I've died lost. And they may even remember their loved ones who are saved and who are in heaven without them. There is a consciousness in hell. Over in the 16th chapter of Luke, verses 27 and 28, the rich man remembered his loved ones, and he remembered their spiritual condition. Listen to what he says. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. This man who is in hell is pleading that Lazarus would be sent back to this earth to go to his brother's to witness to his brothers so his brothers could escape hell by coming to know Christ as Savior. Remember what this rich man was told? They got Moses and the prophets. If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe if somebody went to them from the dead. Amen. Somebody said, oh, I believe if somebody came back from the dead and said hell's real and it's a bad place. I'd, no, you wouldn't. If you will not believe the, the word of God, if you will not believe the testimony of the Word of God about hell and about God and about the devil and about Jesus, if you won't believe what the Word of God says, you wouldn't believe it if somebody came back from the dead and tried to witness to you of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, hell hath enlarged herself. Hell is an enlarged place. Now, I have a lot of theories about that, and we don't have time to get into those, okay? But hell hath enlarged herself. Maybe... Hell has enlarged herself to accommodate the great numbers of people who are going there. See, we like to believe, and we were having this discussion in Sunday school this morning, that 
at least in this part of the country, you know, just about everybody goes to church somewhere. I mean, if you talk to them, if you come up and say, well, hey, I'm, I'm from Bethel Baptist Church, and one invites you to say, oh, I go to such and such church. Now, they may never show up. They may just have their name on the church roll. But they'll tell you, I went visiting one night and knocked on this door. This had been years ago, knocked on this door. Young man that I knew from high school came to the door. And I told him where I was from and what I was there for. He's standing there holding a beer in his hand. And there's a good party going on in that apartment. He's standing there holding a beer in his hand. So I'm a member of such and such Baptist church. And I thought, yeah, you're, you're a good one too, aren't you? Everybody. Go so we like to think everybody's saved, right? Not everybody's saved. Not everybody that goes to church is saved. Not everybody that has their name on a church roll is saved. Only by repentance toward God and faith in Christ will one be saved. And if somebody hasn't done that, you need to be saved today. Listen, earth currently has a population of 8 billion people. That statistic came out not long ago. 8 billion people on this earth. Now I heard years ago that it was designed to accommodate six billion. So we're just a little bit over. But eight billion people. Years ago I read a statistic and this was 40 years ago that said 10% of the earth's population claimed to be Christian. Now this includes everything that calls itself Christian. Mr. Schuler that I mentioned earlier might even call himself a Christian. But if feeling like he feels about witnessing the gospel and so forth, it sort of puts a question mark on that, doesn't it? Amen. 10% of the world's population 40 years ago that said we're Christian. They said, if we continue to witness at our present rate and win people to the Lord at our present rate by the year 2000, 2% of the world's population would be Christian. So I'm going to use that figure. 8 billion people in this world 2% of the world's population Christian. You know what that means? There's only 160 million folks that know Christ, that profess to know Christ. Under that big banner, Christianity that includes everything, only 160 million people on this earth that would claim to be Christian in any form, believing any kind of doctrine that they think makes them a Christian. Now, I think the number for those who are truly saved is much smaller than that. You know, we like to think about the, the rapture of the coming of Christ and the rapture of the saved and how we're just all going to be missed suddenly that, you know, people say, well, where'd they all go? All these massive people missed. Guess what? I don't think it's going to matter to them that so few people have just disappeared from the face of the earth. Amen. Because pardon the grammar, we ain't doing our job. Okay. That leaves seven billion 840 million people on this earth who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Do we need to witness? Do we need to do mission work? I'd say we do. Hell may be enlarged because God's people don't witness. Hell may be enlarged because churches have left their first love. That's what Jesus said to that church at Ephesus. They didn't have a honeymoon love for him anymore. He wasn't first anymore. And we see so many churches, and I'm just basing on what they say, how they advertise and so forth. So many churches are geared in on one thing, numbers, excitement. Hey, we'll provide an exciting, listen, I know I'm not exciting, all right? 
We'll provide an exciting time, exciting place for you to worship. Yeah, but will you give me the truth? Will you tell me about Jesus? Will you tell me that I'm lost, that I need to be saved? What are you going to say? And so churches have left that message of the Word of God and they're preaching a different message of psychology and sociology and be happy today. And the world's going to hell. Amen. And it's enlarged when those of us who are saved become stumbling blocks to those who are lost. And nothing but hypocrites go down to that church. Nothing but hypocrites call themselves Christian. Well, listen, he claims to be a Christian and he does the same things I do. He watches the same movies. He watches the same TV shows. He listens to the same stuff I listen to and yet he says he's a Christian. The only difference between me and my next door neighbor is that on Sunday he went to a place with a steeple on top of it and I didn't and I'm in hell and he's going to heaven. Many times we who are saved become stumbling blocks to people who are lost. Amen. And hell is a demonic place. It was prepared for Satan and his demons. We read verses in Jude when we're studying Jude on Wednesday nights. We'll get into 2 Peter eventually. And they talk about the lower pits of hell. And there's a special place which I believe certain demons are held waiting for the end of time, for the last days when they're released from that pit. Hell was not originally designed for men and women and boys and girls. Amen. But Adam sinned. And threw the whole race into sin. And now... Because mankind is a sinner, if he rejects Jesus Christ, he's going to go there. I tell you what, somebody who's listening to this, somebody who's sitting here in my presence this morning may say, well, I don't believe in the devil and I don't believe in hell. Well, you may not now. One day you will. Because you'll be in their presence. Hell's a real place. And, and here are the residents of hell. We've already mentioned the devil and his demons, but Revelation chapter 19 says the beast and the false prophet will be there. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped the image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 and death and hell. This talked about all who rejected Christ being there and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Who's going to be in hell? Well Judas Iscariot will be there who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. King Herod, Felix, Agrippa, remember Agrippa said almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We never have any account of his accepting Christ so we must assume that he died lost. They're going to be there. All of the Ayatollah Khomeini's of the world, all of the Saddam Husseins, all of the Osama bin Laden's, they're going to be there. All of the Jim Joneses, all of the Hitlers, all of the Jeffrey Dahmers, all of the David Koresh's who have rejected Christ and said they were gods, they're going to be in hell and there's going to be many, many, many religious people in hell Amen. whose religion has deceived them or they have deceived themselves by their religion. 
Matthew chapter 7, I think, gives us a picture of the great white throne judgment of God. I've said that before. But listen to what Jesus says, beginning in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, that's preached, in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils or demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus will say we never had a relationship that comes by repentance toward God and faith in the crucified, buried, risen, ascended Christ. No. They had religion, and a lot of folks in this town have religion. You just ask them about it, they'll let you know. It doesn't always rule their lives, but they got religion. That's not the issue, folks. Do they have Jesus? We really don't have time to get into Romans chapter 1, but it gives us a list of the type of people that are going to be there in hell. If you just look at the last few verses of that first chapter of the book of Romans, it talks about being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That describes our world today, folks. They're not going to be in hell because they did these things. They do these things because they don't know Christ. They do these things because of the sin nature that dominates them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to verses 9 and 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous, these are people who practice these things, by the way. You know, a child of God will sin every once in a while. It ought to be every once in a while. It shouldn't be all the time. If you sin all the time, you need to check your salvation. But a child of God will do some of these things every once in a while. But they should not be a continuous part of our lives. But he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But guess what happened to them? But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. These people had done some horrible things, but God saved them. We had a Sunday school lesson this morning on the, I started to say the Apostle Paul, on Saul of Tarsus. You read what he says about himself in 1 Timothy. You read what he says about himself in other places. He said, I didn't deserve to be saved because I persecuted the church of God. We know about the persecution of Saul of Tarsus and on that road to Damascus at noontime, a light brighter than the noonday sun shone down so much that it blinded him. And Jesus spoke. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And how did he answer? Who art thou, Lord? I believe Saul was saved right there. And he said, eventually, Lord, what will you have me to do? And thank God that he saved this man Saul. Amen. I pointed out to the Sunday school class, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, wrote almost half of the New Testament under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
God used him in a great way to go out and to preach the gospel and churches were started. He even got over to the area of Wales, we believe, and it's possible that established churches there and from there the gospel came to America. So if Saul of Tarsus had never been saved, you and I might not be here today. God works in great ways, folks. And God will save people that we don't think are worthy of salvation. How dare we think that, but we think that, don't we? Don't say you don't, come on. I've said that, how could that person ever be saved? Well, that is some sorry individual. Why would God say that? And then he saves them, you have to eat your words. Isn't that humbling? And then God uses them in a great way. I mean, he was already saved, but God could take a, Rock music disc jockey and use him to preach his word. And if he can do that, he can do just about anything, right? I expected an amen there. <laughs> Thank you. Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, and the murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Those are the residents of hell. Well, what about the reach of hell? Right quickly, very quickly. What do you mean the reach of hell? Well, how long will somebody have to endure hell? Forever. That's what eternity is, forever. How long will they have to suffer in hell? Forever. Revelation 14, 11, again, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Luke chapter 16, the rich man was told, he wanted Lazarus to come dip his finger in water and touch it to his tongue. He wanted Lazarus to come to the earth and witness to his brothers. And he was told there's a great gulf fixed. There's no passing back and forth. Hey, all these people that pretend to call up people from the dead, they're not doing it. Amen. They may be calling up demons to pretend that they're people from the dead. You believe in demons, preacher? I sure do. I think I've battled a few. They may be calling up demons, but they're not calling somebody to come from hell or heaven, either one, and come and talk to us. Just made myself popular with the seance people, didn't I? There's no parole in hell, folks. There's no getting out early for good behavior. You can't be baptized. There are religions that baptize for the dead to try to baptize folks out of hell. It doesn't work. You're not going to be bonded out, okay? Sorry about that. <laughs> You're not going to be bonded out of hell. And there's no purgatory. When one hears from Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. That's final doom right there. Amen. You're done. You're separated for eternity. And they will not be able, I said, I think God will fit people with a body that will be able to endure the flames of hell and never be burned up. There's not going to be any dying and getting away from the pain and the torment of hell. Moses stood out in the desert and looked at a burning bush and couldn't understand how it could burn and not be burned up. We start thinking about, see, God can do that with a bush. We start thinking about, well, how could someone be in hell, in the flames of hell for all eternity and not be burned up? Listen, if God can make a bush that won't be burned up, God can make a body that won't be burned up. Just imagine being in great torment without the hope of death to escape that torment. That's what people in hell are going through right now. And I'm going to give you this right quick. One other thought about those in hell. They are some of the most evangelistically minded people 
that there have ever been. I pointed out this man in hell said, I got five brothers. They need to be saved. I wonder. I like to wonder things, okay? I wonder how many people in hell right now are thinking, hey, I've got a mother, a dad, a brother, a sister, an aunt, uncle. I've got friends that are going to come here if they don't hear a message like this and repent and accept Christ. I've got friends that are going to die and come to this place if somebody who's heard this message doesn't go to them and tell them. You want to escape hell. You don't want to go to hell. Hell's real. Amen. The Bible says so. The preacher preached on it. Hell is a real place. You don't want to go there. Please, somebody. I can't escape this torment. But please, somebody, go to my friends. Go to my family. Tell them about Christ so they will not come here. See, the question I guess it's not really do we believe in hell. I think we all believe in it up here. But there are other questions that have to be asked. Do I really believe that lost people will go to hell? The folks, I do because the Bible says so. Do I really believe? Have I gotten a picture this morning? And do I really and truly believe that the torment of hell is so great that I would not want my worst enemy to go to hell? I want them to be saved and go to heaven. And then here's the final question. Do we care? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it seems like we, we, not you, we, as God's people just don't care. Hey, they know where the church house is, right? They can come any Sunday. They can hear how to be saved, right? It's their decision. It's their fault. Hey, there are Bibles all over the place. They can get a Bible and read it. And yeah, and you read the Bible without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're going to come up with some strange ideas. That's why we have so many religions in the world. Hey, somebody else will do it. Remember from last week? That's what Moses wanted. When he said, everybody's business is nobody's business and it doesn't get done. No, if God's put somebody on your heart Today, during this message, it's my belief, it's my thought that you need to go to them. Even if they laugh at you, even if they make fun of you. Remember, laughing at you, making fun of you. Listen, Saul put people in prison for preaching Jesus. Some people were killed during the dark ages for preaching Jesus. And we're going to worry about people laughing at us? How ridiculous. You got somebody on your heart, tell them about Jesus. Warn them about hell because it's real. And if they die without Christ, they're going there.